Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. And if this is your first time watching, just make sure you hit that subscribe button or the follow button um, to be notified of any time we have new content or new interviews to come out. Today, we have two guests. Um, they both work for the same company. So we have Gerald and Corey from Nomo Cigars. Uh, I met Gerald at the PCA trade show last month, and uh, I immediately had a great conversation. I wanted to have him on here. And uh, I have not had the opportunity to speak to Corey at great length, but I'm looking forward to having um, both of these guys on and just learning more about them and their brand. So let's bring on our guests. Gerald and Corey, how are you? We're doing great. How are you? I'm Good doing well. Nice to be on. Yes. Like I said, thank you for, for coming on. And you now we have a Mike, who we all know, he's watching, so he just said hello to you guys. Hey, Mike. Shirtless. Shirtless Mike. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I actually, the first time I heard about your brand was through Mike, because he had me on his show uh, a little while ago, and he was like, do you know Nomo Cigars? And I was like, I had not heard of them. He's like, oh, you got to get to know them. So then when I saw you at the trade show, obviously, like, the first, you know, I was like, they have to be on my list of people to kind of stop by and get to know um, and like I said, I, I met Gerald at the show and we had such a great conversation and a little bit about everything it felt like. So yeah. um, I definitely wanted to have you back on here because it's all about having conversations and getting to know you and getting to know your brand. So like, like I said, thank you both for coming on today oh, and I'm looking forward to our hour or so that we'll spend together. So, um, so. I guess to start off, if you two could just introduce yourself and just let us know like what you know role that you play within Nomo Cigars, I think that'll be a great place to kind of uh, start the conversation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my name is Gerald, Gerald Miles, and I am a co-brand owner um, of Nomo Cigars. And um, uh, we've, our company started about, say, three years ago. And um, we have been going strong ever since. Absolutely. Corey Turner and what he said. No, don't you hate that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never do that. Corey Turner, co-brand owner. It's a pleasure to be on your show here, Antoine. And uh, we're looking forward to a great hour of sharing with you and your, your viewers. Yeah, like I said, it's so nice to, to meet new brands uh, in the industry. You know, when I started doing the show, Obviously, like the first place your mind kind of goes is to all like the the brands that you know and the people that you know, and then you realize that the, the industry is so much bigger than just you know those few brands because you, when you think about the brands that you know, sometimes those brands are owned by the same company. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of go quickly. You go like, wait a minute, like there has to be a little bit more, you know, to the industry, and so you kind of have to do your research and really like search. Like I said, for some of these other brands like yourself. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to discover something new because I find that people always want to know what's new, what's new, what's new. And yet they never really go outside of their, their comfort zones and get to know, like I said, brands like yours. So hopefully by the end of this interview, they will uh, want to go out and, like I said, try a little bit of, of uh, something different and they'll give Nomos, uh, you know, some consideration. We hope Absolutely. so. We hope so. Yeah. So 
you know, when we were speaking at the show, Gerald, like I said, we spoke about so many different things, but I guess like the topic that kind of stood out to me was just as a kind of boutique brand. I don't know if you would consider yourself boutique because nobody really knows what boutique means anymore in, in the industry. But, wow. <laughs> but, you know, as a, I would say as a brand, you know, independent brand. So that's, you know, not owned by one of the big four or big five companies out there in the industry. Um, you, you have a completely different experience of cigars, yeah. uh, you not? Yes, yes. Um, you know, we, um, I, I said earlier that we, we, we've been at it for three years, but we've been at the process of creating this for three years. We've actually launched about a year and a half ago. And um, that process was, you know, hands in the dirt, um, getting out there and really sourcing um, individuals and vendors and learning individuals within the industry. Um, we didn't have that one individual that kind of showed us the ropes throughout, uh, but we did have a collective group of individuals as a whole, which exists within this industry that was very helpful. But, but Antoine, we, um, you know, we started our process um, dealing with different master blenders, um, trying to find someone that could create what we wanted to create. Um, now, Corey and I, we're two lawyers from New York. We're New York lawyers. And um, we've enjoyed cigars for years. I've been a cigar um, enthusiast and smoker for probably 25 years, you know. And when it came time to go out and when we decided that we would go ahead and create our own brand and our own cigar, you know, I wanted to be very particular because I knew what I liked mm -hmm. and I wanted to make sure that what came out there um, my, in an inaugural cigar really reflected something special and reflected something that I that I wanted the, the um, public at large to have and then to enjoy and to consume. So it took us, um, we went into the Dominican Republic and we went through so many different master blenders. Um, some came close, uh, others, some didn't even, didn't cut the mustard. Um, learning about things in terms of um, the zona francas that exist and then how you get your product out to the United States without having to be inundated with taxes. Um, find understanding what master blenders needed to understand when you explained what you wanted from them. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's been a, it's been a journey, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, the, one of the things that I always say is unlike other industries, uh, early on in my legal career, I was an entertainment lawyer, primarily focusing on music. And there are lots of manuals out there on entertainment law, how to start a record label but you'd be hard pressed to find a manual on how to start a cigar brand, right? Lots of, lots of manuals out there on how to cut a cigar and cigar etiquette and cigar leaves, but the inner workings of the industry and the business is a whole different story and it is quite elusive. Um, and so we really had to be on it. We had to be aggressive. We had to be out in the Dominican Republic, you know, really getting around and meeting with people and understanding the industry. And also for us, this is not a hobby. So it was very important that we put out a cigar that spoke to the quality that we demand in everything we do. 
That's right. And that was, um, that was, you know, I, I do have to say when we talk about that journey, um, it was, it was a wonderful journey and it still is a wonderful journey. I mean, every aspect of that process and the continuing, the continuing process that we are um, experiencing has always been wonderful. And, you know, I anticipated that um, when I started it because of my, in, my enjoyment and of cigars and what, what it does with individuals and being around individuals that are smoking. Everyone seems to have a commonality, a common ground. Everyone seems to have a genuine interest in what the other one is saying and what they're about. And that just revealed itself um, time and time again throughout our process. Um, there were a lot of people that were willing to help and give direction. Um, and even as I say that some of the master blenders that we went to just didn't cut the mustard, it wasn't as though they didn't try. It wasn't as if they didn't, um, you know, they didn't really extend themselves. But sometimes, you know, we, as Corey just said, we held ourselves in this in, in this this cigar and inaugural such a very, very high standard. So um, individuals that couldn't meet it, they just couldn't meet it. Um, and as a matter of fact, those guys are still our friends. That's right. Um, you know, I run into a lot of the individuals that I've met along the way at this point who are still out there in the industry. I was at the, the Dominican Cigar Fest. Uh, several months ago and had a booth there. And I was running into people left and right that we had met along the early parts of this journey. And it was all hugs and kisses. I mean, all of it, even guys that we didn't work with moving, moving forward, no animosity. We're all family. Yeah. yeah and I was going to say just what Corey said, you know, you can go, you know, if you want to start a business and a whole bunch of different other fields, there's a book out there probably, you know, to help you get started or at least to kind of give you a framework to work from. But there's no book that I know of that explains the cigar journey. Um, and even if there was, it might not be helpful to you because, like, if your family wasn't, you know, doesn't have a history in tobacco, then that kind of is like you're set on a different path. Because <laughs> then you have, you know, to, to find somebody who does grow the tobacco. Um, if you don't have the experience of rolling cigars, you have to find, like you said, somebody who does have that experience to roll a cigar. So there's all these little check boxes that people probably don't think about that, you know, you know, do I have this skill set? Do I have this skill set? Do I have this skill set? And if you don't have it, then you have to find somebody who does. So it's kind of, I'm sure it's like, you know, difficult, like once you do want to start your own brand to find somebody or find a company that kind of gives you all of that, you know, in a package, um, yeah. you know. I think for us as well, uh, Antoine, it, Perspective is important because along that journey, there was a lot of research and development. Uh, and that leads, uh, you know, that brings us to, you know, this inaugural cigar here is that we learned a lot along the way. Uh, we, we also try, we're able to try different things. You know, as I always say, uh, that this cigar is not a white label cigar that someone created for us and we just did the artwork and put a ring on it. You know, this is a cigar that we in essence design that's right um you know from its beginnings from its essence and that's important because there's there's no one better to to, to just no way better to describe your cigar or know your cigar except to create it yourself and we did go through a research and development process with some of the other individuals that we met and it really helped us develop our aging process which is proprietary and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move forward yeah, and I'm sure, 
you know, you're talking about how you were consumers at first before you became brand owners. And I'm sure that there was some things that you probably didn't think about or worry about as consumers, obviously, that suddenly as a brand owner, you're like, oh, you know, it's like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That. So what was like, I'm always interested in people in that transition from going to from consumer to brand owner, because there's such like a romantic idea of having your own cigar brand and, and such. And then the reality kind of hits sometimes of what that really entails and what that involves. So what was that transition like for you? I know you touched on it a little bit, but what was that transition like going from just consumers of this thing and being able to go into a store and just buy what, you know, buy what you like and try it. And then all of a sudden, like, you're the brand owner, you're trying to create something com from a completely different angle that will appeal to the masses. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, you, you know, the first thing that you think about when you go into an industry is you should do some research. Uh, we were cigar smokers for quite some years, and we understood that the marketplace is full of cigars, great cigars. So what you don't want is a cigar that's beset at the beginning with inconsistencies, mm -hmm. whether that's in burn, whether that's in flavor profile, whether that's in construction or color of the leaves. So we were very particular about developing a cigar which was consistent across the board. For us, that means a solid medium smoke cigar, which is very clean on the palate. Um, that was really one of the things we wanted. You know, we hated that feeling of after smoking a cigar, waking up the next day, having an ashy taste <laughs> on your palate. Yeah. Right? So that was very important to us. The other thing is, um, it, you know, the complexities of cigar, the nuances and flavors throughout each third of the cigar, also vitally important. So we went through several iterations of the cigar before we arrived at this one. Uh, and as Gerald mentioned, we did work with uh, various manufacturers and cigar rollers before we arrived at La Order. And one of the things that you notice with some of the smaller outfits, it's not that they're not artisans, they're not good with their craft, but when you have less resources, it really opens you up to inconsistency. Right. Quality and control is a problem. Tom. Quality QC, right. Quality control, very important. And what you don't want and when, you, when you're a new entry into any market is to be, to be beset if I could use that word, with inconsistencies. And so we worked very, very hard on that. You know, when, we, when you talk about what it was like, um, that transition, um, the transition was really quite smooth in that I had been a connoisseur for so many years. So I had, I've always had, I have developed a palate for this, you know, and I knew what I liked in a cigar and what, what those characteristics were. And I'm saying above and beyond just flavor, um, the burn, the um, construction. So those things I knew what mine had to have, right? Mm -hmm. So having that, now my, the, the, the flavor that I, I, I wanted in, 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 in our cigar, our wrapper is an African Cameroon. And our binders in Indonesia and Sumatra and our filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan Seco uh, tobacco. So we wanted to, I was, I was partial to wanting that first cigar to have that Cameroon. And I was partial to making sure, as Corey said, that it was clean. It had to be clean. Um, even if the flavor of body was there, it could not be an ashy. I can't, 
I'm again back to my, my, my just my enjoyment of smoke. I can't stand waking up in the morning and feeling I've been licking an ashtray. And I knew that that was not going to be. And listen, I sat with we were with Master Blenders and they would make us a cigar. And I was like, wow, it's really good. But you know what? It tastes there's ashiness in this. cigar, mm -hmm. And we've got to clean that out. I can't have that. And to, to, to many, to the credit of many of the master blenders, Antoine, that we did work with, they are, um, many of them are just excellent at their craft and they were able to take it back, come back and have and cleaned it up. Not all of them, but, but some of them. So that was a, we eliminated people from that standpoint, but my transition was really easy because I knew very clearly what I wanted and you know, my personality is such that I, you got to give me what I want, you know, um, and Corey's laughing because he, you know, we've been together for a long time and, you know, anything less than uh, what I deem, you know, just hitting the mark, you know, I, you know, there's, 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 there's plenty of other opportunities and I'll put the work in to get to, had to put the work in to get to what I wanted. And I just made that very clear to anyone we worked with as we were moving forward. Um, so the transition was not that that difficult. I mean, look, you, you had, it was getting the people to get me what I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. And now that we're here, you know, <clears throat> I don't think that when I smoke other cigars, I'm always basing them against mine. I don't always do that because I want to try to enjoy what I can enjoy in other cigars when I'm at it, you know? Um, but I do often find, I do often find that what I've achieved here is oftentimes better than what I'm trying out there. Right. Um, but that's not to say that I don't have, uh, I don't enjoy other cigars at times. I do. And I do look for the same kind of characteristics that I would have looked for before I created my own brand. I still look for those in the cigar that I smoke. If it's not, if I'm, if I'm doing something other than one of mine. You know, when you talked about it being clean on a palate, I was happy to hear that because, you know, there's so many people who, that, lo that love to review cigars. And how, if it's clean on the palate, it's not something that you usually see in a cigar review. You know, they talk about the flavor profile and this and that. But for me, like what, you know, I'm not uh, an aficionado. I can't pick out the flavor notes and stuff and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, my criteria, whether a cigar is good or not, is, you know, like you said, is it going to be stuck on my palate the next day, like the next hour? Like how easy is it to kind of get that? Like you don't want to feel like, like you said, like you looked an ashtray. Right. Um, and there's so many cigars out there, though, that it kind of does leave that residue and yeah. stuff like that on you. Um, you know, so I'm curious to know, like as you were kind of creating this blend for your cigar and you got feedback from your friends and peers you know, what did they kind of tell you that they were looking for in a cigar? Because I feel like, too, like you probably got some feedback to know what, you know, what was going to resonate with, with the masses by maybe asking your friends or peers and their friends. Um, so what kind of feedback did they kind of give you initially that made you kind of say, this is the kind of blend that we need to kind of go out and try to make? Yeah, so it's interesting because I, ca I called, you know, when I sound official, I call those friends and family focus groups. That's exactly what we have. Focus <laughs> groups. That's what we did. Right? We, did. we call them focus groups. 
Exactly. And, uh, yeah, and 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 across the board, we you know we would always have in those focus groups a diversity of cigar smokers along the spectrum, right? So novices, you know, yeah. occasional smokers, aficionados, and across the board, what we were getting was that what we had come up with was a great cigar. They loved it, right? Now, again, if it's a new smoker, maybe a medium cigar was a little bit too strong for them. Or someone who likes a strong cigar, they prefer something stronger. But the bottom line is we got great feedback across the board. Uh, they loved the burn. They loved the, how the Cameroon lingered on the palate. Mm -hmm. uh, they loved the nuances and flavors throughout each third of the cigar. Uh, and we, we got several, several types of critiques um, in a good way. Um, what uh, superlatives like silky cigar, uh, great cigar after mm. breakfast, uh, smooth. Uh, so, you know, we, we were really pleased with the kind of feedback we received. I do, yeah. I do have to say, though, um, the, the, the process is a little more formal than, than, than what in terms of the focus groups. I mean. As I indicated earlier, you know, we had different we had different iterations of the cigar before we actually launched the cigar that we thought was perfect. Some of those iterations, as I indicated, came from different uh, master blenders. And what we would do is we would have them create samples for us and, and, and along the lines of what we liked and we would smoke and OK, not bad. And then we would bring it home. Right. And actually in my house, we would have groups in my house smoking the cigars and um then we would go we have we belong to a cigar bar locally and and that 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 range of smoker we introduced the cigar and we said look sample and we'd like to get feedback now with with each um you know batch that we would bring from different master blenders we would get different feedback right and one one into one individual who we loved and i'm you know wonderful person uh wonderful cigar maker but as we indicated earlier the consistency wasn't there and, and we would get that feedback. I mean, people would give the feedback in terms of the construction of the cigar. Look, I have a little issue with the construction. It's canoeing on me. Um, you know, um, the, the, you know, I, I get the, the, the flavor profile is coming at me, but the, the feel of the cigar, the, the, the smoke of the cigar, it's just not, um, the con I can tell it's not a well-constructed cigar. That kind of stuff would come and obviously that would register with us. And that was helpful because when you go out and you, you have a master blend to create samples for you, and they said you get a sample of uh, 2025 cigars, right? You might, Corey and I might pick two or three of those and they might be great, right? But when you have a group of five, 10 people smoking one shot, and then you have another group of five, 10 smoking, those inconsistencies are going to reveal themselves. And that's what happened. So when we got those, we would know it. And, and I'm going to tell you in every instance, we would go back to that master blender and say, look, you got to fix this, you got to correct it. In some instances, they were able to do it, like I said previously, and in some instances, they weren't able to come, to come back and do something that was um, more consistent. And again, we knew that some of it has to do with what they're, what, you know, they did not have the resources themselves to make sure that their quality control was in place. So what did we do? We kept it moving. We had to find, you had to keep it moving, keep it moving until we got someone that, and, and, that we found a scenario where it was consistent and everything else was in line. But um, the, we have very formal focus groups um, with respect to this and, and numerous focus groups in order to try to get this done and done the right way. And your focus groups, you're talking about how diverse they were in terms of, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
the range in, in their experience with cigars from novice to enthusiast to aficionado. Um, how diverse were they in terms of, you know, women, men, you know, different races? Because I feel like as minorities in the industry, sometimes you probably look at the industry from a completely different angle than somebody else. And so you probably see diversity and the, the need for diversity a little bit different than, a, you know, some other brands out there. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the, you, you mentioned our cigar club. Uh, and our cigar club is a very diverse place. Uh, so, you know, we did have, I will admit, less women, women smokers right, right. than mm -hmm. others, but across the board, race-wise, um, experience with cigars-wise, very diverse. Now, my wife, uh, to, to, all, uh, to all the women out there, my wife really stood in strong for you guys. You know, she really did. Because she was there on every sample group. She did, you know, every focus group she was sampling. Anytime we brought one home. And she would give her, you know, she would be very clear about it. So my wife was a, she was a stud in this process. She really was. And she, she held it down for the women out there because she was, she made sure that, um, you know, um, we got a strong sense of if she didn't like it, she let us know. And she not only let us know, she let us know why and what she thought it needed. So that was a help. But no, unfortunately, in terms of our groups, we did not have a, a diversity women. with respect to women. women yeah. 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 It just surprises me that. I know one of the things I hear sometimes from retailers is that he, even in, I think, you know, if I heard this for the last couple of years, so, um, you know, that they feel like the black smoker, for example, is like something new. And I'm like, is it like really new or is it just like, like nobody's really paid attention to that segment before. And all of a sudden in the last couple of years, there's like this big focus on the black smoker or the female smoker. And it's like, you know, they're like, and, for, for some reason, for some retailers and even manufacturers, like, you know, they want to speak to those groups of people, but they don't know how to speak to those groups of people. They don't know how to, to you know, uh, I would say shine a light on the diversity without making it seem like they're trying to, you know, pedal to that group or like really go over the top. So I'm always curious just about, you know, how you all see diversity and how, to, how you all kind of uh, design your company, I would say, to appeal to like the masses, meaning a diverse crowd rather than, you know, just to a specific group or two within the industry. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very interesting. I mean, it, it's kind of common knowledge. I think that what happens in urban communities sort of sets trends. Uh, but I think for us, the headliner has always been the product. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to have your cigar counted amongst the world's premium, ultra premium cigars, you got to have a good product. Now, obviously, you know, we're both African-American, something that we're extremely proud of. But the lead of the story is always the quality of the product. Mm -hmm. And that, that's been important to us. And what we found is that leading with a quality product, the product is resonating across diverse groups. Um, as we see, you know, we have retailers now, we're building retailers across the country at a pretty, you know, fast clip, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, including in the Bible Belt. And we've got great feedback on our cigar because, you know, we, you, you've got to lead with the quality of the product. I have to say, Antoine, um, when, when we speak to the, like, one of the hallmarks of, I'll just, I'll just bring our, um, 
our box into focus here. And I don't know if that can be seen, but you know, obviously mm-hmm. our our logo speaks to a lot uh, to, to, to our, our understanding in terms of and our feeling about diversity and our feeling about this this product, this cigar. You know, our our, our logo. I don't. I hope your viewers can see it right here. You see something that that that's, that's, that that brings the brings you the notion of the scales of justice. And on either side, there's a there's a cigar that's balancing it out, right? Mm-hmm. And we believe two things in that respect. We believe that a cigar it will balance your day out. At the end of the day, a, a cigar always brings you and levels you out, brings you down, levels you out. No matter what kind of day you have, it's the great equalizer. But the cigar is also a great equalizer when it comes to people. Because anytime you're in a place, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter your race, your creed. When you go to a cigar lounge and you sit down, you can have a you can say a, 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 someone who trades on the market sit right next to somebody who who works with horses during the day, and they're gonna sit, they're gonna have um, and enjoy a cigar together. It doesn't matter black, white, Puerto Rican, Dominican, and I find this everywhere I go. Whenever I go to a cigar lounge, that 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 just kind of runs the gamut. So it's diverse. And it's and it it equalizes and brings everybody together. We wanted to capture that. So you know when we when we designed this and we came up with this, that was what was in mind because we wanted to actually express our understanding and our feeling about diversity and about what the cigar does and 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 brings everybody to a a, a common understanding. And it is pretty amazing, um, Antoine. And I'm sure you've seen it a million times that people can sit from all backgrounds. And enjoy a cigar and have conversations that are deep um, and come come out of it. They're friends. Um, and it's pretty phenomenal that that's something that takes place. And um, that's something that has brought that that has never lost on us. And when we put as we put the cigar out there, the cigar is for all to enjoy. And we don't go out marking into one one group in particular. We want everybody to enjoy this stick. You know, everybody. And we want everybody to sit down together in a, in a lounge in Arizona, in Alabama, in New Jersey, in New York, and come down and sit down and enjoy, you know, together. Yeah, it's funny because when I first started working in the industry, it was 2010. Uh, and if you look at, you know, coming in it from a graphic designer's point of view, I would look at all the advertisements that would come in because I was uh, designing magazines at the time. Mm-hmm. And the magazines that will come in and the uh, advertisements that will come in, you know, it portrayed the cigar industry as kind of the stereotype, which is like what I think a little bit we, the masses are still kind of working up against. You know, the idea that cigars were for the affluent people who were like in the business suits and they had the Rolex watches and they were on the yachts and all this other stuff. And women were a prop, you know, they were, you know, there to support the men or be eye candy. Um, and I think social media really helped break down that stereotype yeah, to what yeah. is the case because, you know, like you were talking about, cigars are the great equalizer. Like you can go into a cigar shop and you can have somebody who's a millionaire, you know, owns all these businesses as, you know, a corporate guy. And then you can have, you know, a blue collar guy sitting right next to him and their backgrounds rarely come up in a conversation. It's like, what cigar are you smoking? And then they start off. You know, they go on and it's that's the industry that 
I know and that I think once people get into the industry, they know. Um, so, you know, that diversity comment, like I said, with some retailers, I always, I never know how to respond to them because I'm like, I don't know, you know, I don't know how you can speak to this specific group of people because I don't, I, I don't think you would speak to them any differently. And then you right. Make, right. You know, so it's like a stump is like a question that always kind of makes me laugh because I'm like, if you really knew your customers or knew the diversity in the industry is there is no difference between the groups. Like everybody just wants to be treated and spoken to in the same manner. Absolutely. That's right. Agree. You know, I've sat down and I've, you know, I've been with groups that I've sat and smoked with for, you know, months on end and enjoy time with and know a little bit about the families, but not a lot. Then I find out, oh, just we're maybe talking, you know, yeah, he's a billionaire. Like, billionaire. You would never even know. Right. I mean, we're sitting there talking, you know, and and that's happened a few times here. You know, you just, you, you know somebody and you're enjoying him. You have no idea what their net worth is. You know, like you love, you enjoy sitting with the guy, having a great time. And, Nothing comes across when you're when you're having this that you know that uh, you, you you know what the status is necessarily you know. I love that by the way. I love when that happens. Exactly. Um, when we first started the conversation, we were talking about you know the word boutique, uh, and that's another thing that I think has changed over the years because back when I first started in the industry, not to sound like an old person. But, you know, boutique was this word that, you know, some of the bigger companies used to kind of separate themselves from, you know, the, the like I said, the, what I would call now an independent brand. Um, you know, they would say, well, like, we're, you know, we're not the independent brand. We're not the boutique. You know, boutique was something bad. But now I think it's changed where, you know, boutique and a boutique mindset and category is completely blown up. And it's, you know, they're, even the big companies want to, you know, have a piece of that boutique world because, mm -hmm. It's just a completely different vibe and product, you know, that idea that you're not getting something that's mass produced. You're getting something that has like a little bit more thought to it. So right. what's yeah. like, what's your take on the whole, that category? Cause I don't even use the word boutique really anymore because I think like we said earlier, it's hard to describe what boutique is because no, everybody has a completely different, different definition now a days of what boutique is. So how do you all feel about uh, that work? Because I'm sure some companies probably still refer to you as boutique or, you know, have that mindset. So what's been your experience with the boutique? Yeah, I, I think it speaks more to how you conduct business. And I think, you know, w when you talk about boutiques, I, I almost also look at startup companies mm -hmm. as opposed to your, you know, longstanding business corporations that are out there. And what you find in the larger companies is there are so many rules and those rules can hinder creativity. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the benefits of uh, being smaller is that there are less guidelines. You know, the decision makers are right here and that does breed a degree of creativity. Not that you can't have it with uh, larger groups, but Larger groups, even if they're creative, they're slower to move because they're just more levels to go through to, to, to create a new innovative product. So for us, I mean, whether you call us boutique or not, I think that we're cutting edge, we're innovative, not only because of our backgrounds, but because, you know, we're smaller. They're not 30 people in the room to make a decision. 
And I think that's why a lot of the smaller brands uh, tend to do more creative things. They're not hindered by uh, old rules, right? Somebody's got to create the new rules. And I think that's the benefit of boutiques, not only in the cigar industry, but the business world at large. You know, I have to say um, the term boutique never really resonated with me. Um, and I, I don't hear it a lot anymore, but I hear it occasionally here and there. You know, sometimes you'll speak to a, a retailer and he'll say, or she'll say, um, yeah, we, we, we like to have the boutique, um, um, you know, this boutique outfits here. And, and I, I, I don't really, um, I don't know. I don't adhere to it that much, you know. Um, you know, I'm a year and a half to two years in, in terms of um, launching and having the product out. Uh, the product is getting uh, phenomenal reviews. Um, we got a 91 rating with Cigar and Spirits magazine. We just recently got a 90 rating with um, Blind, Blind Man's, Man's Puff. Puff. Right. And, um, you know, we're growing and we're growing fast. And the, the term boutique, I just don't, I don't, I, I'm not one to be classified and put in a box. It's just my, my nature. Um, so when anyone puts it out there, I'm not going to be rude about it. I just... It just doesn't really resonate, Antoine. I just kind of, we just keep it moving. Um, we're knocking down doors every single day, uh, bringing in new retailers every, I mean, literally every day um, and across the country. And when we started this process, uh, we started by doing launches and we did launches all over the country, just Corey and I. I mean, get on, getting on a plane or getting in the car and driving to, any different parts of this country and doing launches and introducing our product. Now, is that what a boutique does? I don't know. Like we've said, I don't know. Is there a book on what you're supposed to be doing in terms of being a boutique um, cigar company? I don't know. I, I, you know, I just don't, if it has, I, I haven't read it and I probably wouldn't. It's not, it's, I'm not boxed. I'm not being boxed. You know, I'm going to do what I have to do. So, yeah, that that that, no, that notion of boutique brand, it really and truly has not resonated with me up until this at all, you know. Well, I think, too, it's like with, you know, a smaller and more independent company, um, you know, some people might see it as a limitation. Like you can't release a product as frequently as like, like a, a larger company does. But it, it makes me think, like, is that really a bad thing? I don't think it is today mm -hmm. because you know, there are some companies that have like a, uh, I would say an Apple like mentality to product development and product release. And when I say that is every year you get a new iPhone, you know, it might be an incremental, you know, change from the last year, but it's that idea. Like if you have something new, people are going to go out and buy it. And then, uh, that happens a lot in the cigar industry. Like I said, with certain companies, you can see that they just always frequently new release, new release, new release, new release. And, but I feel like it, it, you know, the more frequent the releases, like the more lost you kind of get in the portfolio, even as a retailer and consumer, because you're like, where, where do I need to put my focus? So I think a, a smaller company has a benefit where you might not be able to, you know, create all these new releases frequently. So you have to focus on like, like I said, and I think that makes spot some creativity as well. Like how do you make that one release kind of work for you? Um, right. Is that kind of experience that you all have where, you know, you're just kind of, like I said, focusing on that, you know, a smaller portfolio and you're just trying to get that, you know, retailers and consumers like hip to that one product. And then like maybe later on, maybe like I said, but on a least, uh, 
like not as frequently, but you might have something new, you know, come on down the line, but it's just like that, a different way of like looking at your portfolio. I have to say the experience that I had at PCA recently um, kind of fortified um, my belief that you focus on something and you focus on it and you do it well, people appreciate it because I saw, I spoke with quite a few retailers and told them my story um, during PCA. And when I explained to them that, you know, when you go to PCA, just for everyone to understand, you know, you go to different uh, booths and oftentimes the booths will pull out a, a, a um, price list. And that price list for some of these booths, two or three pages long. I mean, it really is. It's just, it's just daunting. And I'm looking at it. I'm, you know, this was my first time at PCA and I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow. But when I, I told the story and it's great because it's my story and I, I, this is what I live. And I said, look, we have right now, this is our inaugural cigar. It's a six by 56 Toro. And I explained um, what I could, the construction of cigar and what it's made of. And I said, it's our only one because as we went through our process, I wanted to make sure that what I came out with was something that I was going to be proud of and that I knew that people would would enjoy. And people who came up and said, where's your price list? And I explained that to them. They were like, wow, that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. So many had that kind of response that I knew that what we were doing were right. It was right. I didn't want to have to be in a situation where I'm trying to give people a bunch of things that I haven't necessarily gone through every aspect of it and know. And people and the retail, they appreciated that. And I was so glad to to, to, to get that sense of appreciation as I told the story. Now, that being said, we have some other things that are coming out, you know, in terms of sizes and things that we're working on. Um, and very shortly will come out because we understand that we want to give choices. Um, and those choices and you know, they're, they're really coming from a granular organic standpoint that, you know, our six by 56, this is a smoke that's going to smoke. You're going to take two hours to smoke this. And, and then also within our focus group, going back to that quickly, um, there were individuals that did say, you know, I like, I like a little, a smaller cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to be able to get through one within 45 minutes, an hour or something yeah. in that range. And we heard that enough to know, and although we already knew that we would come out, we would work on different sizes, that was one thing that will, that's that's kind of an organic, natural way of flowing in terms of your next, what goes next. To give people a choice in the size, the blend is where it is, but give people a choice in the size because some people don't have two hours to go to, to sit. So you want to give them the option, a nomos option, that allows them to have to fit that into their day. So that was an organic piece that came and flowed from um, PCA and meeting with and, and individuals. And I, I'm very happy with the kind of responses we got. So now you didn't come out of that feeling like, oh, my God, next year I got to have four pages. Right. I got to have four pages of, of cigars. You know, I didn't feel that way at all. I came out feeling great with where we were and how we've done it at this stage. Right. Yeah, I mean, less can be more. I mean, as you've alluded to, and sometimes you get, you do get lost in all these varieties. Um, you know, with us, I, I think we're doing a very good job of, of cementing into the public's consciousness, this six by 56 Toro um, as our inaugural cigar. And it will be, you know, the centerpiece of what we do going forward. And this being our central focus, it has worked well. It has not only worked well because of our business strategy, 
but also because of the size of our company. You know, we can we can focus on this one cigar. And as Gerald said, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? Um, some people don't want to sit with a cigar for an hour. And so we did hear that. And, and as Gerald said, we're working on that. And I'm sure, too, like a selling point for your brand is that, you know, I think sometimes retailers or consumers, you know, they they come across a brand they haven't heard of and they automatically think bad things. They're like, I have no idea what the cigar is made at. And, you know, it, it might be using bad tobacco. But your selling point, too, is that you work with La Aura. <laughs> so right. mm-hmm. and I'm sure that means that you work with Manuel and Noah to yeah, help right. in this. And like, I mean, they're one of the best companies out there, like you said, in the Dominican um, to work with. So I'm sure that, you know, like I said, you can use that as your selling point that, you know, this is a brand that you can trust because these are the, you know, Manuel and Noah and La Aura are, you know, they help bring this product to market for us in terms of helping us blend it. So I tell you one of the other things that was phenomenal about um, working with La Aura. And I, and again, it took us a, it, 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 we went through quite a few to get to, to La Aura and um, we were actually working very closely with Hochi Blanco as well. And he had made us an actually a phenomenal cigar. Um, we worked with him for quite a while in developing. Uh, we ultimately did, we were still friends with Hochi. He's a wonderful, wonderful, I mean, it, that goes without saying. Um, but we did decide to run with, with La Orda. And one of the reasons, aside from the, the, uh, the they're just a, a machine over there, La Orda. Everything is so well done, um, top to bottom. They're a happy group of people. You know, you ever go to La Orda and you ever do their, their tours and you see you see the people working there. No one's ever upset. Everyone right. loves to be where they are. And that that spirit and that good feeling kind of, it, it takes you over. You fall in love with that right off the bat. But one of the things that we had to go, we had to deal with is, um, Corey alluded to this earlier, um, our cigars, we use a proprietary aging process that is unlike anything uh, that anyone else does in the world. And it's a, it's a trade secret. Um, but it required us to have a demand on anyone who we ultimately decided to work with that they had to allow us to build out our own aging room. And to be quite frank, when we first went to La Order and presented that, when we told them that, look, we, we want you to be our, our group, we want to work with you guys, all right? Um, but you have to let us build out our aging room. And they told us no because they have they've never done anything like this how many years they've been in um in business 100 and- 117 <laughs> 12 13 they said they've ne- they've yeah. never done anything and they just couldn't they couldn't do it and, and i said i smiled because at that point i knew that we were clearly doing something very different mm-hmm. so what i had to do is i said okay and we left and i went back to one of a, a, a previous manufacturer who we were we were on the verge of working with not Manuel, not not Hochi Blanco, but someone else, and we had actually built out our aging room within his um, his aging room, yeah. and he allowed us to do it. And we had actually ordered a bunch of cigars through him, but ultimately we had some problems with consistency and everything else. But he had made us a really good cigar. It it, it, it tasted beautiful. I mean, it's just an excellent tasting cigar. But we had to move on. Like I told you, we had to pivot. And, and But we left the cigars in the aging room. And they had been sitting in the aging room that we created for um, a year at least. Yeah. And 
So I went back to that individual. I took some of the cigars out of our aging room. I brought it back to our law order and I said, look, smoke these and you'll understand why we have to do our thing. Yeah. We call that uh, research and development and proof of concept. That's right. So we gave it to them and they went and they met. They had a huge meeting over it after they smoked it because they got it. They understood that there was something to it. And then they came back and said, after that, they, they, and we, um, they literally had a big old meeting over this Mm -hmm. and came back and told us that they would, um, they would do it. They would allow us to do it. So to our specs, uh, it was built out to our specs, guidelines, you know, everything that we stated, that's the way the room was built out. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that helped us, that actually cemented the relationship um, with my order and they, they, we're family. I mean, we're family with that group. Manuela Noah is wonderful, wonderful. I mean, um, so and, and then and and then to add to that, I mean, you talk about the wonderful relationship with La Order, and that goes back to this notion of boutique that we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Because very often old outfits like that are slow to move; they're slow to change, and so that was good for us too. And that cemented the relationship for us in that we said, okay, these guys are, you know. They're open to change. They're open to new things. They're open to the next great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was important. And by the way, what we do call so for for the viewers will understand, we call our aging process. It's the nomos aging process. So what we you'll see in our literature, once the cigars are created and once they're born, they take a nap. An NAP that means they go right into the no no nomos aging process, right. and that's where they sit and they mature in that that special aging room that we've created. And that makes a huge difference. And and what you get from our cigar, you're not going to get everywhere else. The the aroma that comes through, the flavor that comes through. Um, Many people like to liken our cigar to a a silkiness. That term comes out often when when smoking our cigar. It's silk, smooth. Mm -hmm. And um, we attribute quite a bit of that that rounded finish coming out of the um, aging process that we've created. Yeah, refined flavor profile. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you talked about is good for people to hear because um, I always feel like uh, I hope people who don't smoke cigars watch this podcast and listen to it because I think they can learn from all of these different people like yourself who come on here. Um, and that there's a book that I've been referring to a lot on deep cuts called uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, so if you haven't heard of that book or haven't heard of that concept, Definitely go out and buy this book. It's kind of one of the best business books you can kind of read, I think, this year. You only read one book, read that book. But uh, it talks about what you just said, like when you you knew to set your product apart from everybody else, that this aging process uh, was like key to your product. And you could have folded and said, OK, you know, you won't do it. We really want you to make our product. Go ahead and make it and do what you want to do it. It might have came out OK, but you knew that. Yeah. setting up like like you did it was key to it but instead of you but you also probably knew you know you had the foresight to know that you need to prove your concept to them right, right? that's right absolutely very important the moment that they tried it you know you could do all the explaining you want to but making them experience it firsthand is key and that's kind of one of the key components of blue ocean strategy right. that you know rather than just saying you have a problem or you know this is how we can solve it you need to make people actually experience that firsthand. And we all know that cigars is, is all about the actual experience. Like you can describe a cigar or the process it goes through, but it's actually experiencing it for yourself and 
tasting it and stuff like that, that really sets it apart. That's key. And, the, and, and, and one of the most important things, and you really have to have a lot of integrity about this, is truly proving the concept to yourself first, right? Because then you're in a unique position to really go out and talk about that process and evangelize it to the point where it's very hard for outfits like a law order to say no once they try it themselves. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's difficult to codify that our process, you know, and, and, and get people to, you know, we talked earlier about a book and, and, you know, you know, in, is there a book on how to do this, you know, um, internally, the decisions that were made were not, were not decisions that were always the ones that the average individual would make, you know, it's gut, it's instinct, it's confidence. Um, and it, that's what made the difference. No obstacle was one that was ever really in, in, in considered an obstacle. You know, nothing, one of the things we always do is we always, I've always believed in working in parallel tracks and whatever I do so that, you know, there's always redundancy built into what needs to be done, always redundancy. And when you, when you work in terms of redundancy and, you know, people can understand what that means to have redundancy or to work parallel and always have an alternative always have but oftentimes sometimes resources don't allow for it time don't doesn't allow for it our confidence doesn't allow for it so those those dynamics intertwined is very easy it's very difficult to try to explain to someone how to get from a to z you know sometimes it's just got to be that intuitive things look corey and i both and i and, I, and i'll step back for a second corey and i both come from um, backgrounds in the inner city, right? And we've both been very successful lawyers for over 20, 20 years, 20 some odd years, you know? Um, and that success did not come from having dad or mom or grandpa, grandpa be judges and, and lawyers and say, look, give my kid a chance. We had to forge our way every step of the way. And what that does is it creates an understanding of how to do it in any environment. You're going to do, you don't, you don't let small things even amount to anything. You just keep it moving. And this process was definitely and has been definitely that. Um, opening, open to understanding um, that, that, that things are strategizing what's hap what can happen in advance, making sure you've already worked out alternatives to every step of the way. That's not the easiest thing for everyone to do. We've also been, we've also in this process, uh, Antoine, we've been lucky because we are successful lawyers. So in that, a lot of the things that some people would have to encounter, how do I do an LLC? You know, um, you know, how do I trademark. establish credit? What, how do I get a trademark? Yeah. Those are, we, that, that's a blip us, right? Um, income, you know, how do I pay for this? How do I pay for that? We, 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 you know, we didn't have to run to anyone to say, look, we're trying to do this. Can you give us the money to get it done? Right. Um, that's never been the, the issue for us. And, um, where we, you know, we're smart about what we do. We don't go out and spend crazy and we have it in every aspect of what we did, um, in this, this process, Antoine, you know, there are a lot of vendors you deal with, you know, you have to deal with box makers. You have to deal with label makers. You have to deal with cigar rings. You have to deal with your manufacturer. You have to find an importer, you know, yeah. um, all different arrays of this. And, um, you know, you have to negotiate. You have to make sure that you're, you know, you're not putting yourself in a position that once you, once your product launches, you're strapped, you know, 
and you want to put yourself in a position where you can have some longevity and not be choked choked by the financial rope, you know? Um, so we've had the benefit of, you know, working together for a long time too. Like that can't, that, that needs to be said as well. Corey and I have um, known each other for years. We're not partners in the legal um, industry, but we do work off each other and we've known, we've worked um, and, and been in the same office arena for years now. So we understand each other and we understand um, what works, where each of our strengths are and we play off it. We're very open in terms of our criticism at times with one another. Um, and we, we don't walk away with hurt feelings when that happens. We understand it is constructive and it has to, and I'm not always the most constructive in my approach. I could, t- I could be, I could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so bad cop, good cop. You, you already know that. I mean, Sometimes yeah. I can be a big, you know, the, the bull in, in the China shop. I can be. And that's, and that's how I've always actually as an attorney, I've litigated that way. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I know, but it has worked out for us. And, um, we see, you know, as, as we continue this, the, the sky is absolutely the limit with respect to Nomos. We are um, so excited about everybody we meet. You look, I met you. We talked about Durham because I went to law school in mm-hmm. Durham and North Carolina Central University. We kicked that around. My daughter just graduated from Chapel Hill. You know, we had a good 15, 20 minute conversation and and now we're moving forward. And I know this is going to be a relationship that's going to continue indefinitely. So all of that is born from um, what this industry brings. And we are just we're just having a ball, aren't we? Absolutely. It's it's a lot of fun, Uh, although, you know, as I stated, it's not a hobby. It's a business. And so when you have a business, that's also a good time then I suppose you're winning, right? So uh, listen, I'm, I'm with Gerald on that. This has been a lot of hard work, but at the same time, it's been a lot of fun. You know, when we get towards this point in the show, I like to end with it kind of changing from just being about, you know, how you all do business to how you c- conduct yourselves in this regular life. So I always kind of end the show with two questions that you both can ans- give your own answers to. Um, that first question is, uh, what's your why or what's your motivation to do what you do? Mm. You know, my motivation is striving for perfection in all things that I do. And I love hard work. I am a grinder. It's my nature. It is what I am. It is what, you know, it is what consumes me in terms of um, that, stru- that, 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 uh, that aim towards perfection. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I'm involved in. That's always been, been my aim to do it the best way I possibly can. If I'm litigating, if I am preparing for a trial as an attorney, I strive to kind of make sure I've covered every base I've been as strategic as possible. It does. It's, that's not work for me. It's natural, and I don't mind staying up and being working weekends to do it. So, when it comes to, when it comes to um, what motivates me, it's the motivation to get something and get it right, and and then sit back and let people appreciate that this was done. 
and sometimes maybe not even understand the kind of work that went into it sometimes that's a little sweeter when you can sit back and you know what it got but they're looking at it, wow that's phenomenal no matter what it is but you know that when you sit back at home and you're enjoying your cigar what you put into getting it done and that's that's motivation for me just getting it done and getting it done right and it doesn't matter what it is but it just makes things so sweet when i put that in and this is the result of it and what we're getting um in terms of feedback from people um out there in the world so my motivation is by having a good time i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> you had to lighten it up <laughs> now i i think that uh you know that that's really a very deep question i don't want to get overly philosophical without giving you an answer. You know, folks get very philosophical. Um, you know, my motivation has always been to truly know myself because I've been in enough arenas to, arenas to know that if I truly harness my best self, that's always gonna be a winner. And how that plays out for me is much of what Gerald said, um, what the end product is. Good thing is that end product aligns with several other things in my life. My, my wife and my three kids, taking care of them, my family, my friend, my partner. You know, so that, that, that's my thing. I want to have success. I want as close as I can to perfection. But that, the best way for me to do that is to do it the way that works best for me, knowing myself. You know, so that's my, uh, my answer. I hope that wasn't too philosophical. No, it was great. Um, you know, the, the last question that I want to ask is, uh, it's a little bit of it for y'all gave some good advice about, I think you kind of touched on all the different things you kind of need to start a business, which was, you know, you need to get the trademark, you need to, you know, make sure, you know, in your case, get an importer, all these different things. But uh, if someone were to come up to each of you and say, you know, we know that you kind of started your own brand or you have your own kind of business going on. Um, I have an, an idea for a business. Uh, I want to get into being an entrepreneur and they might not necessarily want to get into the cigar business or the tobacco business, but they have an idea for a business. What's your advice to that person? Like how should they, what's your one tip to get them started on the right path to entrepreneurship and launching a business successfully? Where to start? I think the first place you have to start with having an understanding of truly what you want to do and what's involved in doing that. Because, you know, there's a, I see a lot of clients, part of my practice encompasses advising, you know, new businesses, emerging businesses, startups, and the like. And one of the things that you see over and over again, a recurring theme is that individuals believe they can be successful by, by knowing that one facet of the business that most interests them. And that's never a winner. Because you've got to know how to do every step, every job, maybe not maybe not actually, mm -hmm. but you at least understand enough so that when it's being done wrong or you lose money, you can identify it. So even, so you've got to take the good with the not so good if you want to be successful. The other thing is I hear a lot of people talk about passion and that, that word, because some, someone is, we wake up, we're not passionate. So then what, what, what makes you go out and do it anyway? Right? So you've got to push through. You know, you got to push through and understand that every if you want to be successful in an endeavor, you've got to know every facet of that business. Um, you know, 
what I, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question is, I told you, be ready to grind, okay? Be ready to work, okay? Be ready to work, all right? It does not happen if you're not ready to work. The other stuff you strategize, you figure out, but be ready to work. Don't think that you can open up a restaurant and not realize you're going to be in that restaurant all day, every day, all night. You have to grind, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you also have to be very, very particular and know that everything is going to cost you. Know your cost. Be strategic. Without going into every particular, every dynamics of what it takes, be strategic. Think. Think about it. Work it out. If it's something that you want to do, follow it out logically. All right, I want to do this. If I do this, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this. And I know I'm going to need this. And where I don't know what I'm going to need, go to somebody and find out what are the things that you need to do this. Find those things out. Get the pieces in place. Start to create your strategic plan and be ready to grind. You know, if you do that, there is a good chance of success. But if you don't do that, you're going to be fumbling all over the place and you're going to find yourself step, stepping, stepping on yourself and not really getting it going. So it's, but you, you don't want to work without thinking, but you want to understand that you have to work. Right. And then get the strategic piece in place. Know what you have to do. That's kind of the, the physical and the intellectual coming together. But do it without, you know, find out, put those things together, muster that up, know that that's coming, and then proceed to implement, you know? So you those are, those are kind of like basic concepts that I think you can take those paradigms and apply it to whatever pursuit you're trying to get into, and they'll work for you. Don't worry about frustration. Think about all those individuals that everyone hears about, oh, when I tried to do this, when I first, I failed. I couldn't get that done, and I failed. I failed, you know? But I didn't stop. I can, you hear that story time and time again from individuals that are successful, right? So if you know that, you know that there's going to be a chance that you're going to fail. But that should be built in. You're going you're gonna to not necessarily fail. You're going right. to run into obstacles. So that should be built into your strategy from the giddy up, right? Mm -hmm. You don't strategize with just one, one. You don't do linear in strategies. You don't strategize in a linear fashion. You strategize understanding that you're going to have to pivot and turn left and right at times. And you Oftentimes, I think you can anticipate it if you've taken the time to figure it out as you before you get ready to run. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Like that's some great advice that both of you all kind of gave people and from different points of view. So it's nice to kind of see that partnership kind of at play. And you can imagine that you all kind of bring that different mix uh, into the business. Um, for those people who have not been watching this or they might have just been uh, listening on one of the um, podcasting platforms. Could you tell people what website they need to go to and what social media they need to follow in order to find out more about your brand? Sure. Yeah, so it's uh, nomoscigars.com. Uh, there you can find out lots of information on the company. Also, you can place orders. Uh, order ship from our fulfillment center in Clearwater, Florida, and at most locations in throughout the United States in three to four days. Uh, right. In addition, our Instagram is at nomoscigars.com. I just want people to understand that our cigars are, are made in the Dominican Republic. We right. ship them into Miami. And from Miami, our fulfillment and distribution center comes out of Clearwater, Florida. 
uh, as the Corey indicated, if once you order, you get it in three to four days, cigars. Um, and uh, we hope that you'll enjoy them. We're pretty sure that you will. Um, if you don't mind, uh, Antoine, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to uh, Carlos. Uh, he's in Dominican Republic, uh, right. Carlos Peralta. He is our um, right-hand man when we're out there in DR, uh, helping us with whatever, th all things that we need to get done. Carlito. Um, so we would be remiss if we don't mention Carlos and give him a shout out. Also would like your, your uh, viewers to know that those that will be in the Dominican Republic on September 11th in, um, in Santiago, we will be having a very large event, um, a Nomos event in uh, La Vera. Uh, many people know the nightclub in La Vera. Uh, the nightclub in Santiago is called La Vera. Um, and if anyone's out there, please come out on uh, September 11th. Uh, we'll be out there around 4 o'clock until, and we'll be partying, and we'll be smoking, and we'll be having a great time, and uh, we'll have um, cigars to sell and uh, for you for your enjoyment. So if you're out there, come on out and enjoy yourselves and introduce yourselves, and we'll, we'll, have, we'll party together. That's right. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on. And uh, like I said, hopefully people kind of listen to this and they know a little bit more about you two and they know more about your um, product that you have out there. And they will be willing to go out there and try it out now. So thank you both for coming on and sharing everything that you did share with us today. Thanks, Thanks for having really us. We appreciate being here and we're looking forward to um, doing it again sometime. And um, maybe you and I will meet out in North Carolina in the near future and uh, have a nice smoke together, right? And yeah. Antoine, great artwork on the promos. Absolutely. <laughs> Outstanding artwork on the promos, man. Well, thank you. Um, you know, for, for people who are watching, like I said, on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button to be notified anytime we have new content. And if you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the other um, podcasting platforms, hit that subscribe button and also leave a review if you don't mind, because reviews kind of help me to improve. I always feel like there's room for improvement. So you're not going to hurt my feelings if you have anything uh, critical to say. And if you have something nice to say, you can leave that as well. Um, this, this episode or the other 103 episodes that came for this, you can catch uh, all the episodes on deepcutslive.com and we're also on YouTube. So, um, we have uh, another show this week on Thursday uh, with uh, David from Martinez Cigars. So you'll get a completely different story, uh, something else to learn about. But uh, like I said, thank you to our guests. And we'll definitely have to have you both back on uh, in the near future to continue to share with us and educate us about your experience in the industry and also your product. Anytime, Antoine. Thank, you. Man, thank you. Cool. So thank you, everyone, for watching. And until next time.